0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Hi. Hello. Today, I am so excited to be talking our favorite books that we are anticipating for March of 2022. And if we are anticipating March's best books, you know that means I have two of my favorite people with me, Emma and Jill. So hopefully today you want to hear what we are looking forward to.
1: That that, work. That's an excellent intro. Okay. <laughs> hi, Joe. Hi, Jill. Hi. I'm excited to talk March books, but I'm also a little bit confused about it already almost being March.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: but also not think yay, too much about it. Yay, spring? Maybe. Yay, spring. Maybe. Although, like, six more weeks of winter if we're to follow What's-His-Face from- Yes you know, the, I'm very articulate, the groundhog.
0: (laughs) I'd really like this cold to break because starting the day in single digits and not getting much warmer by the afternoon is really, really taking its toll.
1: I would agree. It's extremely depressing. And so hopefully the arrival of March means the arrival of warmer temps and also a lot of good books.
0: A lot of good books.
1: So many good books. And uh
0: if y'all oh, go ahead What were you gonna say? <laughs> no go
1: ahead joe i was just gonna say and i know joe has a lot of picks <laughs> for this month so uh he can kick us off
0: Fully, what i was gonna say i'm <laughs> sitting here with too many books on my list yet again uh so i guess i'll start my first book is i was better last night by harvey firestein it is coming out on march 1st so we get to start off with a bang if you don't know him uh where have you been living? Uh, but Harry Firestein's legendary career has transported him from community theater in Brooklyn to the lights of Broadway, to the absurd excesses of Hollywood, and back. He's received accolades and awards for acting in and/or writing an incredible string of hit plays, films, and TV shows like. Once again, if you don't know him, uh, Hairspray, Fiddler on the Roof, Mrs. Doubtfire, Independence Day, Cheers, Le Fall, Torch Song Trilogy, Newsies, and Kinky Boots. While he has never shied away from the spotlight, Mr. Firestein says that even those closest to him have never heard most of the tales of personal struggles and conflict, of sex and romance, of his fabled career, revealed in these wildly entertaining pages. I Was Better Last Night bears the inner life of this eccentric, non-conforming child from his roots in 1952 Brooklyn, to the experimental words of Andy Warhol and the theater of the ridiculous, to the gay rights movement of the 70s and the tumultuous AIDS crisis of the 80s, through decades of addiction, despair, and ultimate triumph. Firestein's candid recollections provide a rich window into downtown New York City life, gay culture, and the evolution of theater of which he has been of course a defining figure, as well as moving as well as a moving account of his family's journey of acceptance. So it's it's wisdom, it's mistakes, it's stories and it's all colorful just like him and it, his voice is engaging, he's funny I mean funny as all heck like come on we're all nodding our heads here on the zoom uh but it's it's also vulnerable so I'm really excited for this to hit the shelves
1: love me some Harvey
0: me too uh, and that list every everything he's done
1: I know. it was just a few things was what I, I was thinking when you were going through them I was like yep if you don't know him from that you know him from this and this uh-huh. like if you don't know one of those
2: Yes.
0: As I was reading the list, I felt myself going, when does this end?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go next. My first one is Four Aunties in a Wedding by Jesse Q. Sutanto. I, okay, I loved the first book, um, Dial A for Aunties. And so I'm super excited for this one, which is a sequel. Um, so Medi Chan has been to countless weddings, but she never imagined how her own would turn out. Now the day has arrived, and she can't wait to marry her college sweetheart, Nathan. Okay, I guess that's sort of a spoiler for the first book, but whatever. Okay, so instead of having Ma and the aunts cater her wedding, Betty wants them to enjoy the day as guests. As a compromise, they find the perfect wedding vendors, a Chinese-Indonesian family-run company just like theirs. Betty is hesitant at first, but she hits it off right away with the wedding photographer, Stephanie Reminds Mehdi of herself down to the unfortunately misspelled name. Medi realizes this is where the similarities end, however, when she overhears Stephanie talking about taking out a target. Horrified, Medi can't believe Stephanie and her family aren't just like her own. They are the family, actual mafia, and they're using Mehdi's wedding (laughs) as a chance to conduct shady business. You guys can't see. Joe and Emma's faces, but I can. So her aunties and mother won't let Mehdi's wedding ceremony become a murder scene over their dead bodies and will do whatever it takes to save her special day, even if it means taking on the mafia. So for those who are familiar with um, uh, Dial A for Aunties, this like, Jesse's books sort of are like combination rom-coms with like a sort of a mystery type thing attached to it, um, or there's something that like needs to be figured out her meddy's family is like an all-in-one wedding planner service basically where um they like they handle the cake they handle the food they handle like Mehdi was a photographer and so oh my god her family is delightful um and the books are hilarious and i'm i'm so excited for this one so four weddings or four aunties and a wedding
1: also punny titles which we stay on i was just like shrieking off mic because (laughs) that would be annoying to hear my shrieks but i can't wait for this book i'm so glad you mentioned it yeah so good so good that uh can take us right into my pick Uh, my first pick for march uh, is in a new york minute by kate spencer This book comes out March 15th, and it follows Franny Doyle, who's having the actual worst day ever. She's been fired from her mediocre job, and on her trek of shame home, her dress gets caught in the subway doors and rips to shreds. Uh, So after she's exposed herself to half of Manhattan uh, on the worst day of her life, a cute stranger comes to her rescue by loaning her his Gucci suit jacket. Um, it's important that I mentioned that it's a Gucci suit jacket, so you can get a sense for what type of hunky subway man we're talking about. Could this be the perfect like New York meet-cute? Probably not, because this dashing man, Hayes Montgomery III, can't get away from her fast enough on the train. To top it all off, their meet-cute was filmed, and the clip goes viral. All of New York is rooting for the hashtag Subway QTs to make it work. Luckily, Franny doesn't have to see this man ever again after their awkward first encounter. such that New York is a small island and they keep bumping into each other. Um, imagine their surprise when they find out that they like spending time together. This is a really cute and charming romance and it's a love letter to New York and my goodness, all the things. Plus like what a name. Hayes Montgomery the third. That is a, you know. Like that. A dashing man. Yeah, yeah. Like
2: the name and the Gucci. Like that's all I need to know.
1: Like I know. Yep. You're on, on the list. Um, so yeah, that's In a New York Minute by Kate Spencer. And again, like it's a cute love letter um to New York and a charming little romance story. So I'm really looking forward to that book out March 15th.
0: That sounds super cute. I also have a March 15th release, but this is not so much a cute rom-com or uh, aunties at at the wedding. It is The Book of Cold Cases by Simone St. James. In 1977, in Clear Lake, Oregon, the town was shaken by the lady killer murders. Two men, seemingly random, were murdered with the same gun with strange notes left behind. Beth Greer was the perfect suspect, a rich, eccentric 23-year-old woman seen fleeing one of the crimes. But she was acquitted, and then she retreated to the isolation of her mansion. Now, in Oregon in 2017, Shay Collins is a receptionist, but by night, she runs a true crime website, The Book of Cold Cases, a passion fueled by the attempted abduction she escaped as a child. When she meets Beth by chance, Shay asks her for an interview, and to Shay's surprise, Beth says yes. They meet regularly at Beth's mansion, uh, though Shay is never quite comfortable there. Items seem to move when she's not looking, and she could swear she's seen a girl in the outside window. The allure of learning the truth about the case from the smart, charming Beth is too much to resist, but even as they grow closer, Shay senses something isn't right. Is she making friends with a manipulative murder or are there other dangers lurking inside the darkness of the Greer house? So we got true crime. We got what might be supernatural. We got a nice time jump.
2: Sorry, I can't respond because I'm
1: too busy putting it on hold. (laughs) I know. I was just doing the same thing.
0: That's how I know I've picked a good one. When I look up at the screen, no one is looking at me because they are. <laughs>
1: That's too busy looking it up and adding it.
0: Sign, sign in and check out.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. The cover's a vibe.
0: The cover I'm gonna is a vibe. going to
1: mention every
0: time. Please <laughs> do, because it reminds me I can do the same thing. This looks like a movie that I would go see from the cover. So it's the check marks for me. Jill, how about your next title?
2: My next title is The Tobacco Wives by Adele Myers. So this takes place in North Carolina in 1946. And it's about Maddie. She is a burgeoning seamstress who's just arrived in Brightleaf, North Carolina, which is the tobacco capital of the South. And um, her aunt has a thriving sewing business there. So after years of war rations and shortages, Brightleaf is a prosperous wonderland in full technicolor bloom and Maddie is dazzled by the bustle of the crisply uniformed female factory workers. Wow, that was a bit of a tongue twister that I was not prepared for. The palatial homes and most of all, her aunt's glossiest clientele, the wives of the powerful tobacco executives. But she soon learns that Brightleaf isn't quite the carefree paradise that it seems. A trail of misfortune follows many of the women including substantial health problems. And although Maddie is quick to believe that this is a coincidence, she inadvertently discovers evidence that suggests otherwise. Maddie wants to report what she knows, but in a town where everyone depends on big tobacco to survive, she doesn't know who she can trust and fears that exposing the truth may uh, destroy the lives of the proud, strong women with whom she has forged strong bonds. So I'm all about, you know... There's like an Aaron Brockovich kind of element to it with this newcomer who comes to town. She meets all the fancy women who are married to all the fancy tobacco men. And it's like, hmm, there seem to be health problems. We should look into that. But yeah, if you are a small town and you've just survived the, you know, the rations of World War II and you need big tobacco to keep your town alive, you probably don't want to go after big tobacco.
1: So this sounds so good. This, I will admit, this um, description and cover caught my eye and it's like Mad Men just reminds me of Mad Men vibes and like historical fiction we've got like a lot of elements here that seem really cool
2: yeah it's interesting yeah the cover it sort of looks like what I would imagine like yeah like older almost like wallpaper like blue with these florals on it and then in the middle it's like very admittedly pretty lighter (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. It's a very attractive looking lighter, which seems weird to say, but that, yeah. They, like, you you can see like a woman like flicking this open and smoking. Yeah. What is that other book? The book um about radium girls. Like, it sort of has that element yeah. too of of like not knowing that there are health risks involved with certain things that are very popular. Like,
1: right. Sort of that like shedding a light on things that we didn't. No, at the yeah, time, like correct. looking at it differently after the fact. Yeah, this, right. this sounds so good. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And it's a debut, isn't it? I think it is. I think, so. I think this is her first one. I'm excited, and I added it already to my holds shelf and my Goodreads TBR. <laughs> we're both yeah. just.
0: We're all sitting here. Just add to list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> add, add. Um, well, everybody does such a good job selling it that I like. I can't help it. We just add all these to our own respective lists. Um, I don't have a good segue for my next pick based off of that, so we're just gonna pick uh, one at random. <clears throat> my next pick is "Smile and Look Pretty" by Amanda Pellegrino. If you're a fan of things like "The Devil Wears Prada," Um, Gossip Girl or if you're familiar with Instagram accounts like Estee Laundry or Du Moi, uh, this book will be right up your street. So best friends Kate, Lauren, Olivia, and Max are all personal assistants to powerful and famous people in their chosen field of work. So publishing, acting, screenwriting, journalism, that kind of thing. And they know that they have to pay their dues and work their way up in their respective fields. Um, But it can be exhausting. And they meet up with each other every week and vent about the less than glamorous parts of their assistant jobs. Um, They decide to take their weekly vent sessions and turn them into an anonymous blog called 20-something, which is very of the time. And it quickly goes viral. They end up getting more submissions than they can handle from people in similar spots, but then also submissions that include really serious allegations. And the group of friends suddenly kind of has to decide how they're going to contend with the consequences of starting something so big and the possibility that their identities could be revealed if they choose to speak out. So this book sounds like a the perfect mix. We have, you know, drama, we have intrigue, some snarky little, you know, blog vent sessions going on. I mean, any mention to Gossip Girl for me is one that gets me. Aging myself fair again, like Gossip Girl era was peak. So, I really can't wait for this book. It's called Smile and Look Pretty. And this is out March 8th.
0: If you didn't get me with The Devil Wears Prada, you definitely got me with Gossip Girl.
1: Yep. (laughs) Like, we can talk about that later. Not the reboot, the original. Not the
0: reboot, original only. The original Gossip Girl.
2: Yeah, I'm all about like any like anonymous people submitting things and Mm. getting posted widely. Yeah,
1: I'm all about those sorts of things. Exactly. It's a really interesting platform, like a really interesting medium to getting the word out. And I think mm-hmm. we've seen yeah. a lot of that or I mean I've seen a lot of that lately with those like random Instagram accounts and things like that, where with like the blind item reveals. So this feels very much rooted in a lot of those things that we've seen happening in the last several years and kind of holding people accountable, but certainly interesting take to to see where you sort of go from behind the scenes and, and like reveal that it's you and what the consequences are of that. So um, I'm really looking forward to this book.
0: Yeah, it hits me also with the TikTok audio that's going around right now. That's one thing you can reveal about your job now that you no longer work there. It's it's that kind of ugh, excited adding that to my list now. <laughs> adding Yay!
1: What about you, Joe? <laughs> What's your next pick?
0: So my next pick, I'm also just going for one that is kind of random and not in anything that we've presented already. This is Disorientation by Elaine Hesse Shu and it is about 29-year-old PhD student Ingrid Yang who is desperate to finish her dissertation on the late canonical poet Xiao Wenshu and never re- uh, and never read about Chinesey things again after years of grueling research all she has to show for her efforts are junk food addiction and stomach pain when she accidentally stumbles upon a curious note in the shoe archives one afternoon, she convinces herself that it's her ticket out of academic hell. But Ingrid's in much deeper than she thinks. Her clumsy exploits to unravel the notes message lead to an explosive discovery, upending not only her sheltered life within academia, but her entire world beyond it. With her trusty friend Eunice Kim by her side and her rival Vivian Vo hot on her tail, together they set off on a rollercoaster of mishaps and adventures from book burnings and over-the-counter drug hallucinations to hot-button protests and Yellow Peril 2.0 propaganda. In the aftermath, nothing looks the same to Ingrid anymore, including her gentle and doting fiancé, Stephen Green. When he embarks on a book tour with the super kawaii Japanese author he's translated, doubts and insecurities creep in for the very first time. As the events Ingrid instigated keep spiraling, she'll have to confront her sticky relationship to white men and white institutions and most of all, her relationship with herself. So just a, a different one to throw in there. A different for my usual recommendations. Sounds
2: really good though.
0: The cover is what drew me in. I'll say it this time, Emma. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've already explained my love of Barbies and the cover is like a miniature set of just perfect college room in pure chaos. You know, the Japanese school uniform kind of laying out on the bed and papers strewn everywhere all in miniature scale so got me with the cover sold me with the description
2: (laughs) yeah I almost put this on my list and then I saw you had it and I was like oh it's the cover isn't it like
0: (laughs) it is it was it was the cover yeah (laughs) but also I have too many books you can always take something off my list
2: (laughs) not gonna do that Okay, so my next one is All My Rage by Sabah Tahir. I think that's how you pronounce that. So this is a YA novel that um, is sort of set in, like, across multiple generations and continents. So in the past, in uh, Pakistan, we have Misbah. is a dreamer and storyteller and newly married to to tofik in an arranged match. After their young life is shaken by tragedy, they come to the United States and open the clouds, rest in Motel, hoping for a new start. So in the present, now in Juniper, California, we have uh, Saludin and Noor, and they are more than best friends, they are family. Growing up as outcasts in the small desert town of Juniper, California, they understand each other the way no one else does. Until the fight, which destroys their bond with the swift fury of a star exploding. Yeah, I've had those before with friends, like especially at like a young age. And you're just like, never going to be friends with you ever again. And don't always remember what happened. Anyway, so now Sal uh, um, scrambles to run the family motel as his mother Mispah's health fails and his grieving father loses himself to alcoholism. Nor, meanwhile, walks a harrowing tightrope working at her wrathful uncle's liquor store. While hiding the fact that she's applying to college so she can escape him and Juniper forever, when Sal's attempts to save the motel spiral out of control, he and Norm must ask themselves what friendship is worth, and what it takes to defeat the monsters in their pasts and the ones in their midst. Okay. Family, we got friendships. I'm all about stories that, again, sort of like start with one generation and you sort of see the after effects down the road and and sort of what comes of that. Um, so that is all my
1: rage by Sabata here. I'm so excited you had this on your list. I I took it off mine because I saw someone else is going to talk about it. But I, <laughs> um, shout out to our coworker Jane. She read an advanced reader copy of this a while ago and said it was one of the best books she's read, and everyone needed to read it. And so it's admittedly been on my to read list for a while, but I haven't been in the right emotional mood <laughs> to go there. But this looks like it would pack a punch. I yeah. can't wait. I can't wait to read it, but I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. That but
1: is. I love an inter like intergenerational story. So yes. this is definitely Thanks. high up on the list. Thanks. And I can go into my next pick. I've already lost track of which order we're going in cuz
0: it, it's it's you <laughs> <laughs> It's me. It's
1: me. Okay. Uh I can talk about my next pick. It's an exciting day. I'm a little bit all over the board. My next pick is The Golden Couple by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. I think I've said that right, hopefully. This, admittedly, is uh, like a lots of twists and turns thrillery book. Um, so I really only have two speeds of reading, as I'm sure people will come to find out it's romance or thriller. Um, and then there's other random stuff in between, um, but those are my two modes. And so this one firmly falls into that twisty, turny thriller vibe. But the golden couple follows Marissa and Matthew. They seem to have it all. You can't see I'm doing air quotes, but I'm doing air quotes. And that's where the book description hooked me. Like you just, you don't have to say more. These They seem to have it all. Mm, I know there's a but because there's no, no perfect family and the These people, Marissa and Matthew, are certainly not it. So they're the golden couple, everything seems perfect until Marissa is unfaithful. And in her desperation to repair what is broken and help fix their marriage, she calls upon Avery Chambers to help. Avery is a therapist who lost her professional license due to her controversial methods, um, but she still counsels couples in crisis through some unorthodox means. So will Avery be able to help the couple fix their marriage or does her presence merely cause more drama and add more secrets to the mix? So lots of twists and turns in this secret heavy thriller There's also a little bit of an element where Avery does like some sleuthing into Marissa's life and into Matt's life to try to like meddle and get to the bottom of, you know, the issue and learn all of her clients secrets to help, you know, repair what is broken. But we know that there's going to be way more to that than meets the eye. And I think this has already been optioned for a film. So definitely lots of twists and turns and I love like a marriage thriller, you know, where you have to question, you know, everyone's motivations and what secrets, you know, are between these people that you assumedly know the best, but this book comes out March 3rd and I'm pumped.
0: It sounds fantastic. And I would not be surprised if it was already auctioned for a film because I can, I can see it. I I can see the drama and I'm here for it. Um, do you know whose perspective it's told from this is just my own curiosity do i have...
1: don't i don't okay. i haven't read this yet but i'm <laughs> pumped too. and i would actually be intrigued to see what the um what the setup of this is and who it's told from because i think right. depending on the perspective i could see this story going a, a few different ways
0: Absolutely, that was where my brain went. <laughs> How are they going to journey us?
1: <laughs> exactly, but I can also like this plot. I can picture as you know a movie or something or a TV show with all the oh, different fully. twists and turns. It's very reminiscent to me of like um, Behind Closed Doors, B. a Paris, Girl, even mm-hmm. like a little bit Girl on the Train, fully girl on the train vibes of where you're just. I mean, all of these marriagey thrillers. I'm a big fan of
0: new new genre unlocked to my list that I oh. didn't know I liked. Oh thrillers. So absolutely. Oh, yeah. oh,
1: <laughs> I can tell you we could have a whole I think we probably did have a whole episode back in the it's day. It's been
2: a while, so we could probably bring it back because there's been a lot more.
1: Uh oh <laughs> episode more. alert.
2: <laughs> Basically
1: anything by BA Paris. Yeah.
0: Okay. But
2: or behind Alistini. closed doors or Alfini. Yeah, but behind closed doors is so good.
1: So good. Um, yeah, that oh, that book like that kept my heart rate up the whole time I was reading it. And yes, like I, and I also very poorly read it like right before I got married. I would not recommend that,
2: don't do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't
1: recommend you read these marriage shoulders, you know, if you're planning a wedding. (laughs) But if you're not, we can recommend some very stressful ones for you. Sure, Sure can't wait.
0: Uh, well, I guess I'll give you my next title, and this is When We Were Birds by Ayana Lloyd Banwo, and this one will be out on March 15th. In the old house on a hill where the city meets the rainforest, Yejide's mother is dying. She's leaving behind a legacy that now passes to Yejide. One St. Bernard woman in every generation has the power to shepherd the city's souls into the afterlife. But after years of suffering, her mother's neglect and bitterness, Yujide is looking for a way out. Raised in the countryside by a devout Rastafarian mother, Darwin has always abided by the religious commandment to not interact with death. He has never been to a funeral, much less seen a dead body. But when the only job he can find is grave digging, he must betray the life his mother built for him in order to provide for them both. Newly shorn of his dreadlocks and his past and determined to prove himself, Darwin finds himself adrift in the city, electric with possibility and danger. Yejide and Darwin will meet inside the gates of Fidelis, an ancient and sprawling cemetery where the dead lie uneasy in their graves and a reckoning with fate beckons them both. It's, uh, it's lush, it's imaginative, exuberant the storytelling is beautiful and it's uh it's a story about inheritance loss and love's superpower to heal
1: that sounds good that one sounds so so good like it would pack a punch but also make you like i don't know feel feel (laughs) and i i will be that person again but also like the cover is stunning
0: i want that as wallpaper Yes, somewhere in my really house
1: beautiful
0: absolutely I I love this kind of bend of reality and supernatural uh, so it just it really gripped me with the idea of someone is shepherding the city's souls into the afterlife so is that you know is that a metaphor is it actually I can't wait to find out so come on March 15th
2: I know I was like what does that mean shepherding
0: Right. Like it,
2: that can mean a lot of things. What does that mean? Yeah,
0: exactly. And no matter what it means, it, I'm into it already.
2: <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Um. So my next one also comes out on March 15th. It is the Cartographers by Peng Shepard. All right. I did it. Okay. So I love books about books and I especially love books about like weird, mysterious books. I didn't know that I could love a book about maps, but here we are. This sounds so good. Okay. So Nell's whole life and greatest passion is cartography. Her father, Dr. Daniel Young, was a legend in the field and Nell's personal hero. But she hasn't seen or spoken to him ever since he cruelly fired her and destroyed her reputation after an argument over an old cheap gas station highway map. Sure. So many questions about that. Okay. But when Dr. Young is found dead in his office at the New York Public Library with the very same seemingly worthless map hidden in his desk, Nell can't resist investigating. To her surprise, she soon discovers that the map is incredibly valuable and also exceedingly rare. In fact, she may now have the only copy left in existence because a mysterious collector has been hunting down and destroying every last one, along with anyone who gets in the way. (laughs) (laughs) Why? <laughs> so to answer the question, Nell embarks on a dangerous journey to reveal a dark family secret and discover the true power that lies in maps. I love all of these words in one sentence. Yes, give
0: Paragraph. me all of those Post sentences. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Wait, gas do station
2: I? highway map that apparently somebody is. <laughs> That's worth killing for. It's worth killing for.
1: I love that like idea though. When you like just like that family history of like there's more to this we need to like keep it going or like continue mm-hmm. on you know what my father was investigating or whatever plus you mentioned New York Public Library there's history it sounds like there might be some like magically elements who knows know.
2: like who knows I don't know that's what I'm saying it sounds so good so so into
0: know.
1: that yeah it's the guitar- cartographers I'm huh. excited I added that to my list while you were speaking as well <laughs>
0: <laughs> same <laughs> that one made its way to the top though I think
1: <laughs> I know it's gonna be hard to pick after we're done with us since we're not even done with our March picks yet
0: <laughs> sorry everyone you're or, or you're welcome I think or, you're
1: welcome I think you're welcome at the minute I think we'll go with you're welcome maybe when it's warmer out and people don't want to just be inside reading all day I'm just kidding my next pick I'm gonna go ahead and continue the thriller train um, and talk about Nine Lives by Peter Swanson. I first noticed this book because it's Peter Swanson and I love his thrillers. They're always like very good. I know if anything that he puts out, I want to read it. And so the tagline for this book, though, also caught my eye. It's if you're on the list, someone wants you dead. And I was like, "Hmm, intrigue. Uh, So this book follows nine strangers who live in various locations across the United States. They all receive a list of nine names in the mail with their own included and nothing else. And some react by like just tossing it in the trash and others are a little bit more creeped out. Things pick up when one of the nine drowns on a beach in Maine and another one, a man on the list, is gunned down while running through his neighborhood. FBI agent Jessica Winslow is determined to figure out how these nine people are connected and why they're on the list. Her own name is on the list as well. This is a smart thriller that's inspired by Agatha Christie. And it'll, I think this is definitely a book that's going to keep people guessing until the end. And what an interesting concept to me, like you get a list and why? Like, uh, what do these people have in common? They have different careers. They live in different locations. They don't know each other. So what connects them? And so there's a lot of elements at play here, figuring out why these nine people are the targets, who's targeting them, and so on. So this book sounds like lots of twists and turns. It's out March 15th as well. Sounds good. I
0: love the, f- yeah, and I love the format. That you kind of see across some different genres like I'm thinking of the ring where it's x happens now people are dying figure out why and I love that that format can translate between you know thriller where we have human killer and also supernatural horror where it's some strange entity so that's really
1: exciting yeah
2: like what's the common thread that's all you know
1: like yeah exactly The Agatha Christie classic that this was inspired by is And Then There Were None. So if you're a Christie fan, this might be up your street as well. See what Peter Swanson does with this.
0: Okay. You you sold me with the Agatha
1: Christie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Final nail in the coffin.
1: (laughs) You're like, eh, you didn't have me yet, but now.
0: I mean, I was... I was on board, but, and then there were none, come on, maybe my favorite, Christie. I don't know, I'll hold that off for another day. Uh, I'm going to continue The Killing, only this time it's nonfiction, uh, this is The Other Dr. Gilmer, uh, the tagline is, Two men, a murder, and an unlikely fight for justice. This is by Benjamin Gilmer. And it will be out March 1st. So anyway, fresh out of medical residency, Dr. Benjamin Gilmer joined a rural North Carolina clinic only to find that its previous doctor shared his last name. Dr. Vince Gilmer was loved and respected by the community right up until he strangled his ailing father and then returned to the clinic for a regular week of work. Vince's eventual arrest for murder shocked his patients. Could their beloved doctor be capable of such violence? The deeper Benjamin looked into Vince's case, the more he became obsessed with discovering what pushed a good man toward darkness. When Benjamin visited Vince in prison, he met a man who appeared to be fighting his own mind, constantly twitching and veering into nonsensical thoughts. Sentenced to life in prison, Vince had been branded a cold-blooded killer and a malingerer, a person who fakes an illness. Yeah, I said that right. (laughs) But it was obvious to Benjamin that Vince needed help. Alongside this American Life journalist, Sarah Koenig, Benjamin resolved to understand what had happened to his predecessor. Time and again, the pair came up against prison system that cared little about mental health of its inmates, despite more than a third of them suffering from mental illness. The other Dr. Gilmer takes readers on a thrilling and heart-wrenching journey through our shared human fallibility, made worse by a prison system that is truly failing people who need some of the most help. With deep compassion and an even deeper sense of justice, Gilmer delves into the mystery of what could be of what could make a caring doctor commit a brutal murder that was word salad right there sorry friends Uh, so yeah it, it just kind of begs the question in a country with the highest incarceration rates in the world what would it look like if we prioritized healing instead of punishment
2: what would that look like
0: Imagine that. Jill, do you you know anything about the prison system? Have you ever perhaps worked in a prison library?
2: Maybe. Yeah, (laughs) I have a lot of feelings about the prison industrial complex. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Mm
0: There's a lot of gripping things here and a lot of questions that I want answers to. And of course, hearing This American Life is involved, also kind of like co-signs the quality assurance check for me. But I'm excited for this to get into the hands of people so the rest of the world that that finds this can start to ask those questions for themselves. You know, A little further beyond what Orange is the New Black may or may not have started hopefully this kind of gathers a new audience.
2: I am here for that. I'm here for that. Mm -hmm. So now for something totally different, I have The Club by Ellery Lloyd. Okay y'all, this is, okay. So The Club is the secret club that the A-list is dying to join. I, I think literally. So envisioned as a luxurious home away from home for very important people, the home group is a collection of celebrity members clubs dotted across the globe from London to Lisbon, Malibu to Manhattan, where the rich and famous can party hard and then crash out in its five-star suites, far from the prying eyes of fans and media. The most spectacular and exclusive of all is Island Home, a sprawling, closely guarded complex of faux rustic guest cabins, spas, bars, and restaurants just off the English coast. To market's home, uh, to market's opening, Holmes Mercurial CEO Ned Groom and his team have planned a glamorous three-day launch party, easily the most coveted A-list invite of the year. But behind the scenes, tensions are at a breaking point. Years behind schedule and vastly over budget, the project has stretched a long-serving and long-suffering team to their limits. There's Ned's trusted PA who has over decades maneuvered her way from coat check girl to Holmes inner circle. Ned's younger brother, who has sacrificed his marriage and morals to be Ted's right-hand man. The head of membership, keeping the world's most spoiled and jaded individuals entertained using any means necessary. The head of housekeeping, who plays silent witness to the guests' very worst excesses. All of them have something to hide, and that's before the beautiful people with their own ugly secrets even set foot on the island. Temper spray and behavior worsens as things get more sinister by the hour and the body count piles up. Some of home island homes members begin to wish they'd never RSVP'd at all. Okay, there is so much to love with this. First, this also sounds like another very much like Agatha Christie and Then There Were None kind of thing, but with like, but also like an upstairs, downstairs sort of thing happening with like rich celebrities and then the employees. The whole like years behind schedule and vastly over budget. I don't think it's like Fire Festival, but I'm getting weird Fire Festival vibes as well from this. Holy. (laughs) Like, and so, oh yeah, there's so, so good.
1: I'm, I'm here for this.
2: I'm here for this.
1: Do you know what this made me think of when you were mentioning it? It made me think of Soho House. And I looked up the author and it's a pseudonym for two, two people and the the one of them Colette Lyons is um, a journalist and editor and she's the editorial director at Soho House Oh, look at that so I've just like that's fascinating yeah this is definitely on my list yeah
2: I'm I'm super excited for this one so okay. good so good
1: and how about that cover no, I'm kidding. <laughs>
2: I wasn't going to mention it, but yes.
1: I'm kidding. See, <laughs> but... It's, like a, it's like
2: a nighttime. There's a pool. It's like neon letters. You see the reflection of the neon in the pool. Like,
1: yes. We're allowed.
0: Cool. We're allowed to appreciate good design. It
1: does look really cool. <laughs> I can talk about my next pick that is in no way related. There are no common themes, but that's all right. We love a, a grab bag. My pick is Camilla Knows Best by Farah Heron. This is out March 8th, so not too long to wait into March to read it. And this is a sort of Bollywood meets Jane Austen's Emma. So we do love an Austen retelling. If you listen to the romance episode of the podcast I did recently with Maria and Kate, we mentioned we love a Jane Austen retelling. So many things are inspired by her books. But anyways, this is set in Toronto, and it follows Camilla, who leads a pretty perfect life. She throws amazing Bollywood movie parties. Her dog's Instagram has more followers than most reality TV stars. And she happily plays matchmaker to all of her friends, because clearly they are much better off listening to her advice. Ron is Camilla's best friend. He's always willing to co-host a party with her, help her with errands, do whatever she needs. He's always there for her. So why does her harmless flirting uh, with her make him feel t- make her feel some type of way when her nemesis? We love a ne- I love a nemesis in a romance. Give me a break. Uh, when her nemesis returns to town and has her eyes set on Rohan. It forces, oh, I had a typo. It's Rohan in my notes. I can, re- I can read. <laughs> when her nemesis returns to town and has her eyes set on Rohan, it forces Camilla to evaluate how she's really feeling. Her perfect life is about to get turned upside down. So if you like Jane Austen's Emma, um, if you like a love triangle, if you liked Clueless, uh, this is the book for you. Again, this is out March 8th. I love that.
0: I I appreciate all the romance recommendations okay. I am getting by co-hosting. Like, am I am I finding another genre to read into?
1: <laughs> I mean, if you start, you may not stop. It's true. <laughs> it's okay. That
0: is true. That's okay. Okay, just kidding. I guess I can read romance because my next one is a romance. <laughs> I'm coming with the recommendations today. Ha. So this is Kiss and Tell by Adib Karam. Hunter never expected to be a boy band star, but well, here he is. He and his band, Kiss and Tell, are on their first major tour of North America, playing arenas all over the United States and Canada, and getting covered by the gossipy press all over as well. Hunter is the only gay member of the band, and he just had a very painful breakup with his first boyfriend. Leaked sex public heartbreak and all, and now everyone expects him to play the perfect queer role model for teens. But Hunter isn't really sure what being the perfect queer kid even means. Does it mean dressing up in whatever the label tells him to wear for photo shoots and pretending to just be abstinent? Unfortunately, yes, that's what they want. Does it mean finding community among the queer kids at the meet and greets and after Kiss and Tell shows? Thankfully, it does. Does it include a new relationship with Kyven, the drummer for the band opening for them on tour? He sure hopes so. But when the label founds out about Hunter and Kyven, it spells trouble for their relationship, for the perfect gay boy Hunter place for the cameras, and most importantly, for Hunter himself. So I thought I'd bring a little queer YA romance title, fully K-pop vibes, boy band vibes, and yeah. I figured I'd shock everyone with me recommending a romance.
1: It <laughs> started this it doesn't down. shock me, though. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> no. This sounds so good. It was on my list. Kirkus calls it an absolute bop. And I thought okay. that was okay. a really good okay. way to describe it.
0: <laughs> okay, Kirkus.
1: <laughs> we love the bop of the equivalent of a YA novel. Yeah. I do. I love, I, love
0: call it, yeah, I love calling a book a bop.
2: <laughs> so uh, my next one is the Last Confessions of Sylvia P. by Lee Kravitz. So this is a reimagining of um, Sylvia Plath and the creation of her semi-autobiographical novel, The Bell Jar. For full transparency, I got a big old Bell Jar tattoo on me with like a big so big fan, big fan over here. Um, So this is told through three distinct fictional personas or um, perspectives. It is the psychiatrist, Sylvia Plath psychiatrist, a rival poet who is named um, Boston Rhodes in the book. It is believed like it's, it's Anne Sexton and then an antiquities dealer later on. And so st is a seasoned curator for a small Massachusetts auction house, and she apparently finds an original manuscript of The Bell Jar written by hand in her journals 55 years earlier. Betting the document, Esty will discover she's connected to Plath's legacy in an unexpected way. Then there's Plath's psychiatrist, Dr. Ruth Barnhouse, who treats Plath during the dark days she spends at McLean Hospital, following a suicide attempt, and eventually helps set the talented poet and writer on a path toward literary greatness. So the bell jar is about Sylvia's time at the mental hospital and sort of what led up to that. And then poet Boston Rhodes, a malicious literary rival, um, pushes Plath to write about her experiences I'm a McLean tipping her into a fatal spiral of madness and ultimately forging her legacy seems like slight sex and slander, but it's a different conversation. So um, this is, <laughs> this is like compared to Michael and The Hours, which I love. Paul McLean's The Paris Wife, which I love. Um, Teresa Ann Fowler Z, A Novel of Zelda Fitzgerald, which I've never read, but now want to. And again, I'm a big fan of Sylvia Plath. The Bell Jar in particular, again, got a big old tattoo. And so I am interested to see sort of how a fictionalized interpretation of sort of what led to that period of her life and sort of what came after it um so that is the last confessions of sylvia
1: p i
0: really want to read that (laughs) Uh, i love the idea of just retelling like i never i never thought of that as a genre perspective of taking
2: oh, it, it, like the fictionalization
0: yeah. of someone's life so now I'm like okay well we'll we'll read that one and we'll read all of the other ones it's similar to and then I'll ask you for more recommendations. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh yeah no like there definitely is I think an interesting um I like some genre I guess of literary fiction that sort of takes a well-known usually dead writer and kind of picks a period of their life to examine um yeah you know the the hours is virginia wolf um the paris wife is ernest hemingway she wrote a second one i think about ernest's third wife and the title is escaping me right now um and so yeah and so now we got sylvia blath and i think like sylvia is just one of those she's just an interesting character study of a lot of different things
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see how that's how that's handled I think she's a really fascinating person so that yeah I think people are interested in knowing more or even like looking at it from a different angle even if it's embellished or different perspectives or inspired by
2: agreed agreed I think yeah there's a lot
1: There's a lot about her and
2: her relationship with her husband and just all sorts of things. I could, I could go on a huge thing. I won't, this is not the time for that for me. No No one wants to hear me wax poetic about Sylvia Plath
1: and Ted Hughes right now. So. Another time. My next last ish pick for March is one I promise I won't spend too much time talking about, because I have mentioned it at least two or three other times on previous episodes. So if you listen each week, apologies if you're sick of hearing me talk about Hook, Line, and Sinker by Tessa Bailey. This is out March 1st. It's so good. It's hands down one of the best romance books I've read in recent memory, if like not of all time. It's the follow-up to It Happened One Summer and it follows Hannah and Fox I can do like the quickest of summaries in case you've never heard of this before, but if you have like just skip ahead a a few seconds, but this follows King Crab Fisherman Fox who's like the notorious town flirt everybody knows that he's a good time and uh, not the person that you would take home to meet your parents. And then uh, you have Hannah, who's, you know, aspiring in the film industry. She wants to work with scoring films. And she ends up back in this little Washington fishing town under Fox's roof. They've been friends since the first book. And you kind of have to, they, they ugh, it's like forced proximity. It's like friendship to more. And it's, it was so well done. So if you like romance, if you like Tessa Bailey, hi, Tessa Bailey, come on the podcast. Um, I'll just continue to mention her every episode until she's on. This was just a really, really charming read. It's very fast paced, very steamy. I don't have much else to say about it other than if you like romance or even if you don't, give it a try. Hook, Lion, and Sinker out March 1st.
0: Our friends don't even have long to wait. March 1st, they've heard you sell it and now they can finally pick it up.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You can finally read it. And I need someone to actually finally read it so I can discuss. I read this a hideously long time ago because I was fortunate enough to get an advanced reader copy and nobody else that I know has managed to read it yet. So if you read it, send us a note, send us an email ping us on Instagram. Do something. If you read Hookline and Sinker, I'm dying to talk about it with people. <laughs> They're laughing at me because I'm so pumped. I've also had a lot of coffee today, but I am really excited about this book that comes out on March 1st.
0: We love the energy and we love telling people to email us. Uh, I didn't mention it at the beginning, but of course, if you want to email Emma and talk about this book, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com, just put in the subject line, tessa bailey please come on the pod i'm kidding make the subject whatever you want but uh you ta- someone please talk to emma about this book
1: <laughs> thank you Joe.
0: of course <laughs> hey you put the call to action there i just am just here to provide the deeds <laughs> so my last title i'm looking forward to gonna wrap up with a march 22nd release date this is between the mountain and the sky by maggie doyne So Maggie's story begins in suburban New Jersey in a comfortable middle-class family that supports her decision to travel the world during a gap year before starting college. During her travels, the trajectory of her life alters when she has a surprise encounter with a Nepali girl breaking rocks in a quarry. Maggie decides to invest her life savings of $5,000 to buy a piece of land and open a children's home in Nepal. That home becomes the Copila Valley Children's Home, and eventually the nonprofit Maggie launches, the Blink Now Foundation. And it also starts the Copila Valley School, which provides tuition-free education for more than 400 students. Maggie and Blink Now's work have been recognized around the world for their innovative and sustainable processes. However, this book isn't a how-to for fledgling philanthropists or nonprofit founders. It's a coming-of-age story about a young woman suspended between two worlds, as well as the love, loss, healing, and hope she experiences along the way. Maggie's inspiring and intimate tale shows readers an important truth, the power to change the world exists within all of us. I thought I'd I thought I'd end on a light note. I had some I had some murder. I had some true crime. And I thought I'd go with, you know, we can we can all do something great for the world.
2: Well, I have one left and it's not a light note. So.
0: <laughs> well, I just needed to end my list light. Please do whatever you want, Jill.
2: <laughs> okay. So my last one is the Book of Living Secrets by Madeline Rue. This cover, okay, it is like full-on gothic romance we got skulls we got an octopus we got a book they're anchors there's flowers there is a moon in two different phases there's an ouija planchet. like there's there is there is so many things happening here so this is about best friends adele and connie and no matter how different they are they've always had in common their love of a well-known gothic romance novel called moira i'm already sold So when the girls are tempted by a mysterious man to enter the world of the book, they hardly suspect it will work, but suddenly they are in the world of Moira, living among characters they've obsessed about for years. Except this is not how they remember it at all. The world has been turned upside down. The lavish balls and star-crossed love affairs are now interlaced with unspeakable horrors, the girls realize that something dark is lurking behind their foray into fiction and they will have to rewrite their own uh story arcs if they hope to escape this nightmare with their lives okay uh full disclosure one of my favorite movies is return to oz and so i'm <laughs> getting major return to oz vibes here right where dorothy is like there was this wonderful place i went to and then she gets there and there she's like what are these weird people on wheels as legs and why are statues like where'd all the people go and what's wrong with the yellow brick road and what is happening with this character with the lady changing her heads like okay so i'm i'm all about this and again that cover there's just oh there's so much the idea of like entering a book that you've read before like that is fascinating to me who doesn't want to do that uh just there's everything just everything everything
0: the cover as you were describing it and until I pulled it up was giving me like a tattoo shop flash yes. page like every Friday the 13th sale and oh it's, that it's is beautiful what that, yes.
2: <laughs> there it, is a very like tattoo artwork like a distinct yes. tattoo art vibe to it as well so I just that. have so many questions actually it's not an octopus it's a squid there's only six legs so like now I'm like what is that about what is that about Like, yeah, I have an advanced advanced copy of this, but I've not read it yet um, because I just finished a book. So this is definitely like going to the very top of my TPR.
0: Ooh. Okay. Okay. Well, when, when it comes out, I'm, I'm into it. That's, that's my next, maybe after all the others I said are my next today. Uh, It's also kind of giving me the magician's vibe, just Mm, kind of that, like they read the books. Now it's part of their world. So
2: also, also a good way putting it as well yes yep
1: this looks really weird and I mean that in the best way possible
2: like right this
1: yeah there's I'm just sold.
2: there's just so much goodness going on here that it's it's hard to pick just like one thing so I
0: love it oh so, so that should I should I take us out
2: yeah I <laughs> think this? that's it yeah I think okay that's it for yeah it. that's all of our books that's awesome
0: all Well, that's all of our books. Thank you all for listening today. And Emma, Jill, thank you for indulging me in my always too long lists, because I'm just so excited to share books with with our friends, the listeners. Since I didn't call it out at the top, you can reach us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. Once again, that email if you want to talk to Emma about her romance titles is professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. And of course, you can check out our website, professionalbooknerds.com. These books are, of course, all available in Libby coming soon. So keep your library cards at the ready and start checking out now if your library's already got a pre-order set for themselves and with that i guess we're at the end of the episode so i will say happy reading
1: happy reading everybody thanks everyone
2: readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by jill grudenwald and presented by overdrive to learn more visit professionalbooknerds.com i'm Anne marie kelly wild precious life is a podcast about dreaming big digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave.